0: you're listening to a sermon from harvest bible chapel niagara we believe in unapologetic preaching unashamed adoration of jesus unceasing prayer and unafraid witness thank you for listening amen yes god it is true all the things we are singing about today are absolutely true you are such an awesome god Our minds can't even comprehend it. Our lips have trouble really expressing how good and how great you are. Thank you, Jesus, for the opportunity to be called your children. We no longer have to live in fear, God. We've been called children of the Almighty. God, there's nothing greater than being in your family. There's nothing greater than gathering together on a Sunday to gather with your people to worship you and to see the glory of the living God. Father, our prayer this morning is simple. Would you increase our capacity to see you today through your word? God, for, the, for our hearts that so need an infusion of faith, you give us faith to believe, to truly believe and to live all the things we've been singing out, to believe that you are good and you're gracious and your power supersedes everything. God, give us faith today as we read your word to really believe the truths about who you are. God, we ask that you just open our minds and our hearts to what you want to teach us today. Oh God, may you penetrate every soul in this place whether they're here because they want to be here, here because they've been dragged here, God, would you penetrate every soul in this place with the full reality of your glory and your grace? Help us as we study the word, God. Teach us as we study the word. Move in us as we study your word. In Jesus' name. Everyone says together, Amen. Yes, you know what to do. You know what to do. Grab a seat, turn it through your Bibles to Acts chapter 3 this morning. Acts chapter 3 is where we're studying. If you don't have a copy of God's Word, please slip your hand up. One of our ushers will be happy to get you a uh, copy of what God has given to us. that so might know Him and understand Him. And if you don't have one at home, please take it home with you. This is our gift to you as a church. And uh, trust that you'll read it and you'll know God through it. Uh, Acts chapter 3. I've entitled my sermon simply this today. I believe in God's supernatural power. I believe in God's supernatural power. The question before we even get to the text today, the question is this do you really believe that? Do you? Do you believe in God's supernatural power today? Do you still believe that God works in supernatural ways that define human comprehension and human capacity? Check your hearts. I don't want the Sunday school answers today. I want the real answer. Do you believe in Jesus' supernatural power? Is it evidence by the way you live your life? Is it evidence by the way you pray? Is it evidence by the way you, you talk about God? It's a really important question to ask ourselves this morning because as we come to passages like Acts chapter 3, we can't ignore the miraculous in the Word of God. We can't escape it. We can't skip by it. We're confronted with the reality. Do I really believe that this is true? And let's be honest, so many people even call themselves Christians would refute some of the things that I'm going to talk about today. There's probably even three groups of people in this room. When it comes to miracles, there's already three groups of people in this room. You're already thinking some sort of thoughts about what I'm going to say. You've already formed some conclusions about whether you're going to listen or whether it's true or whether it's not. There's some here today that think miracles are a farce. Already in your brain, you're like, you know, I see it in God's Word, but if I can't logically understand, if it can't hit, fit into my human understanding, then it must not be true, and I, I don't believe that miracles are real and true. Some of you today just believe miracles are a farce. Others of you think that miracles are iffy. You know that maybe they have happened at one time. You think they could happen. Now, they definitely don't happen to you but to me, but kind of iffy. Maybe it's an Old Testament thing. Well, is the New Testament too, right? So maybe it's a Bible. But today, ah... Maybe that's you this morning. Others here today really believe that miracles are for real. We really believe that they're the extraordinary ability of God to work beyond the realm of the ordinary. And you can't deny it. The the, the miracles of God is the extraordinary ability of God to move beyond what is humanly ordinary. Think about it. Be honest with yourself. If you're right on top of your little bullets in there. Which one of you? Are you, are you, they're a farce? Are you, they're iffy? Are you, yes, this is for real today. It matters what you believe about God's supernatural power. It matters what you believe and what we're going to study today in Acts 3. Because what you believe about miracles really reveals what you truly believe about God. And it reflects your level of expectation of what God can do in your life and what God can do in our church. So this isn't just a little question that you're going to ask yourself for some little meaningless exercise. This, this really reveals your answer, whether you really believe that God is who he says he is, and that God can do what he says he is, can do in our lives and in our church. The early church, the Acts church, the Unstoppable church, had an audacious faith to believe that God can and will do miracles in their midst. And we know from Acts chapter 2 that God's spirit fell on the church and the Holy Spirit filled the church. And, and the natural result was that, that they saw all, God do all kinds of wondrous things. And when God's presence is with his people, here's what we see happens in Acts chapter 3. When God's presence is with his people, we already know that they stand up and they proclaim boldly the word of God. But you know what else happens when his presence is with his people? Jesus astounds us, astounds me with his supernatural power. It's point number one, you can write in your notes. When God's presence is with his people, Jesus astounds me with his supernatural power. Let me read for you just the first seven verses. We're going to read this as we go and a section at a time. I'm going to tackle the whole chapter uh, today. Uh, there's so much truth in here that, that I can't hit it all, but I'm going to hit the main points. Listen is what it says in Acts chapter 3, starting at verse 1. The lame beggar healed is a subtitle. Now, Peter and John... We're going up to the temple, the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, three in the afternoon. And a man lame from birth was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called the beautiful gate, to ask alms of those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms, and Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said this, Look at us. This man fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said to him, I have no silver or gold, but what I do have to give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get this, rise up and walk. Isn't that awesome? God wants money. No idea what God wants to do in his life. Peter reached out and took him by the hand and raised him up. And immediately his feet and ankles were made strong and leaping up he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them walking and leaping and praising God and all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who had sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms and they being the religious people around were filled also with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him this is a true story you know that right? You get that, right? This isn't like something somebody made up. Like, this would be cool if it happened. Or like, what would happen if, like, if, if God could do this? this? This actually happened in the early church. And we read last week in Acts 2, verse 43, we read this. I kind of skipped over it, knowing that the rest of Acts was going to unpack this. That we read this. And awe came upon every soul. Remember? Fellowship believers are were seeking God together. They were caring for each other. And awe came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done to the apostles. I know you're thinking last week. What wonders and signs? What wonders and signs, Pastor? This wonders and signs, Acts chapter 3. I knew it was coming, so I just didn't touch on it then. And so here's, here's what's going on here in Acts chapter 3. God's presence with his people. They're, they're doing what God's called them to do. And then Peter and John, it says it right there, Peter and John, two of his disciples, two of the, 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 the closest of Jesus' friends. We had a little circle of three. There was 12 disciples, a little tight group of three. There are two of those people. He, as they're going out to the temple to say their prayers... God chooses to move in them and through them in a supernatural way. It's important to note that there's two of them. You're like, that's no big deal, too. You go somewhere with a friend. Well, it's important to note because God always sent out his disciples in twos. Why? Because 2 Corinthians 13.1 tells us that he needed two witnesses to confirm every testimony. Why two witnesses? One person would come back and say, hey, guess what happened? And we're like, He's lying. He's making... Actually, no, I was there. I saw it with him. So two, God's two are going. The two men that were close to him that are leading the church, they, they go up. And it's also important to note this, that in the New Testament, God works his supernatural acts for his apostles. It wasn't just the average people that, the God, that saw all these things happen. It was the apostles. God anointed the apostles for this time to establish his church. Remember Jesus? He did all these, he did all these, he did all these supernatural acts. He did all these miracles. So that God would establish him as his son. You know, this is the, how do we know this is really your son? Well, he's doing all these miracles. This, this, is, this is my son. How do we know? Look at all the miracles he's doing. Who else could do that? God is doing the same thing with the apostles. He was establishing them as his men to officially establish his church. And so he's just confirming the status of his church through these men. But it doesn't mean that God still can't work in these ways in our day today. So they're heading to the afternoon prayers. they still in the early church. They still followed all the Jewish customs at first until they, the church got its feet from underneath them. So three times a day religiously. Remember remember the Jewish people? They, they really care about some of these things they did because they're supposed to, right? What do we do today? We go to prayer at this time and this time and three o'clock. And so they're going to do their thing and they come across this guy who's, he's not lame as in like, that guy's lame. He's lame as in he can't walk. And he's crippled, and he's at the gates of the church, the beautiful gate, the, the gate that's right before the beautiful temple, the beautiful presence of God. He's at the gate begging for alms. Who is this guy? We really don't know. He's really They call him the lame beggar. That's his name, the lame beggar. How would you like to be known for that? We know from Acts chapter 4, verse 22, he's over 40 years old. We know as the passage unfolds that he's been crippled from birth, so he's not a guy who can't walk because you know he was he was doing his thing and and fell off a got hit by a car or fell off a, a cliff or something or was riding his dirt bike and flipped. Like he can't walk because he was born that way. Like he's never taken a step in his life. He was not just a little bit crippled. He didn't get a disease that somehow like took out his nerve endings in his feet. He is like hopelessly crippled. He's over forty and never taken a step in his life. He's so hopeless. He doesn't even ask his friends to take him in the temple. He says, stop here. I, I give, I just choose to accept that this is my fate in life. And so he gave himself over to not hoping for healing. He gave himself over to like, let's make the best of this second second consolation prize. I'm going to beg for money. I'm going to see how many people can like give to me to, to make my life as good as I think it can get. And so he's begging for alms. What are alms? We you know all the New Testament, right? That, that God calls us to be generous and compassionate to the needy. And part of our spiritual act of service and love for the Lord is caring for those around us and actually generously giving to those who don't have. And so this guy, like many people in today's day and age, is like, where do I go to get money? Well, who cannot say no to a crippled guy? Well, Christians for sure, right? Because they have to. So people show up at the church sometimes, well, you can't say no to me. Like, this is this easy ticket, here's my win, let's scan the system, right? This is what this guy is doing, thinking that this is going to be a sweet deal, like, how are they ever going to walk by me? And you know the Jewish people in that day? It's not that they cared about some of these people. They're like some of us who walk through Toronto and flip coins with the people on the side of the road. We don't care. We're just trying to do something good to pat ourselves on the back. I think feel good. Well, I gave the guy a loony. The early church, what they, the, the Jewish people who didn't know God, their customs, you know what they would do? They would, they'd walk by and they'd be like, oh, who's watching me? Who's watching me? Oh, yeah, watch this. Look how spiritual I am. Like, Here's a five, man. And the got guy behind her like, five? Like, I'm more spiritual than that guy. I'll give him a ten. So this guy's like playing on it, right? Well that's gonna give me a 10. You're only gonna give me a, like a half. And so this year we pick up Peter and John. Peter and John are walking up to do their afternoon prayers, not out of empty religion, though, but because they have been changed by the Lord and they want to they want to enter into the presence of God. And, and so Peter comes up to this guy, he meets this guy, look at verse 4, and, and he directed his so he, Peter and John are walking up. Verse 3, he's, he asks them to receive alms. Hey, can you guys give me some cash? Can you show your love for the Lord by giving me some cash? Peter directed his gaze to him, as John did, and said this. Hey, look at us. You know, he's just shaking his can, right? Like, hey, give me some money. Give me some money. I'm looking for the next guy. He's like, hey, no, stop. Look at me. Look at us. So this man fixes attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. You know, he's thinking he's like the mother of the Lord. Oh, he's, he's saying, look at me. He's going to give me something really good. It's going to be awesome. Gather around, friends. Like, maybe you can carry me home after this guy's done. Day's work is finished, yet Peter says this. I love it. Peter said, I have no silver or gold, but what I have to give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. What? Hey, look, I don't have any cash, but what I do have I'm going to give you. Like, rise up and walk. Can you imagine this guy over 40 years sitting there? Has anyone ever said this to him before? Probably not, right? Can you imagine if you're sitting in that place, what you're thinking, like, this guy's nuts. Imagine all his friends, <laughs> Who's this guy think he's a joker. Walk, he doesn't know that he's been like this ever since I've known him, since birth. And somehow in that moment, like, like there must have been some sort of hope in this little, in this little crippled man's life because in, in that moment, as Peter reached out to him, he, he, he must have reached out back, right? And Peter pulled him to his feet. And, and you ever seen a crippled person that hasn't walked before? Their legs are all floppy, Right? And strength came into his ankles and strength came into his knees, and all of a sudden he could stand, and not only could he stand, but he could he could walk and he could jump and he could rejoice and he started praising God like never before. This is a miracle. That really happened. This is this is what God can do in people's lives without without them even asking for God to so do this. This is the, showing us the power of God. And it wasn't because the disciples were like super spiritual guys. It wasn't because they had a monopoly on God or some special secret no one knew. They simply were acting on the authority of Jesus by the prompting of the Holy Spirit to show the glory of Christ and supernaturally draw people to himself and his church. This is truly a miracle. Never taken a step before. God is revealing his glory to establish his church. Think about how significant this is. I Now, as you guys know, we, our, our little son Nicholas is only 14 months. And man, he's been working out walking for two or three now, and he's still like tottering around and he's seems to find all the sharp edges in our home and all the places he shouldn't fall, and he's he just can't seem to get it. For this guy to all of a sudden just be like, have no legs and have legs, this is truly a miracle. That God was doing in his people to show them the power of who he is. Do you believe that God can still do this today? Do you really believe that God can, why is this in the Bible? Why is it showing this? Because God used to do these things, now he doesn't anymore? Absolutely not. God is still a God of miracles today, amen? Come on, help work with me now. You're also quiet today, and so like just, you can interact, you can nod, you can smile, you can move around a little bit. God is still a God of miracles today, amen? That was way better. Much more Confidence. The question I ask myself is Do we believe this as a church? Do we believe this in our own individual lives that, that God can still break into our lives and do whatever He wants, however He wants, whenever He wants for His glory? Psalm 77, verse 14. God is a God of miracles says in the Old Testament, God is a God who works wonders, a God who makes known his might. God is, according to the Bible, Jehovah Rapha, a God who heals. Matthew 9, 35, Jesus went about healing every disease and every affliction. And we have every reason to believe that God still, the unchanging God, the God that's the same yesterday, today, and forever, this same God is alive and active in our lives and in our world today. We believe it. Before you get going on here in this train of like name it and claim it and now you're going to say a prayer for everybody and they're all going to be miraculously healed, we have to take some things out of this passage that we have to look at because, because there's some things about God's healing that has been misunderstood and misconstrued over the years. Here's a couple things you just have to know from this passage about the healing of God before you go running off in all these directions you shouldn't go. Number one is this, God always heals in his way. God does it in his way. God does miracles in his way. Think about this with me, about this passage of all the beggars in that place. Why would God choose this one? You ever thought that as you read this? Why this guy? We've been to Jerusalem. There's beggars everywhere around the temple. They're littered on the streets. Looking as sickly as they can with their little cans. Why this one? Why did God not, not, not heal them all? It's interesting to note that even this guy wasn't even asking for healing. What was he asking for? Money? He wasn't a spiritual guy asking for healing. He was just asking for money. One commentator, said maybe a theological joke, but I'll tell you anyways, it's kind of funny. One commentator said, he was asking for alms and he got legs. <laughs> I thought it was kind of clever. So it wasn't even mean about being spiritual. Why? Because God can. Because God does, God always does his supernatural acts in his way, uh, according to his purposes. And sometimes our little finite minds can't understand the infinite purposes of God. It doesn't mean that God has to heal everybody or is going to heal everybody. It means that God can heal people when he chooses to heal people for his glory. Make sure that's square in your minds. Second thing is this, God always does it in his own time. God isn't controlled by who we think should or shouldn't heal, or when we think it's best, or when we think it's right. He simply moves according to his way and his time. It's interesting, this guy waited 40 years, and, and I'm sure not even on his brain was this idea that I could be supernaturally healed, and yet 40 some odd years in, God heals him. Why? Because it was the time, it was right. It's the way that God was going to receive the most honor and the most glory. And the way that the world will step up and take notice. Man, like, like this is really God, this is really his church. How do we know? Look what's happening. God's supernatural acts are always in a time space when he's going to draw the most attention to, not you, to himself. Third thing I want you to see from this passage, we haven't read it yet. I'm going to read it for you, but it's verse 16, and I'm going to lump this into the first section because it fits most best in here. But he always does it through faith. He does it in his way, he does it in his time, but he also does it through faith. How do the supernatural acts of God occur in the life of a person, of a believer, in the life of a church? It's by faith. Look at verse 16. Peter standing before the witnesses. The witnesses being all these people who are like gathering around. What's going on? And his name, Jesus, he's talking about. He's talking about Jesus and, and this name, Jesus. By faith in his name In Jesus' name, this is what's made this man strong, whom you see and know. And the faith, see that twice? See Circle faith. And the faith that is through Jesus has given this man perfect health in the presence of you all. Of all the miracles that God accomplished in the Bible and God still accomplishes today, there's, there's most often a human element of faith that enters into the equation. By faith, some of us are like, well, I don't believe God works like this. Well, if you don't believe God works like this and Pretty sure he's probably not going to work like this in your life because there's no faith. I'm not saying God only moves in our faith. Someone's had great faith and God hasn't done what we thought he would do, but it's not contingent on faith, but it does involve faith. Do you understand that? Think of the 31 miracles in the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Jesus' life. 31 miracles recorded there. So many of them say it was by faith that these things happened. Think of some of these with me. Matthew chapter 9, blind men came calling for help. Jesus says this, but do you believe I can do this? Yes, they say. Then he says, according to your faith, it may be done. Mark chapter 2, four friends. Remember another crippled friend and they're like trying to get into the house and can't get in. They climb on the roof. They cut a hole in the roof. They drop their friend through. Jesus is like, wow. <laughs> Clearly you guys believe that by your faith I will heal him. Mark chapter 5, the woman who'd been bleeding for years and, and she just wanted to, to touch, just to touch Jesus' garment. Jesus Jesus, is like, well, what, what was that? What was that? And he looks at her and he says, because of your faith, this has made you well. Even Luke chapter 8, Jairus' daughter, she wasn't just sick, she was dead. Jesus looks at him and he asks for help and he says, don't be afraid, just believe and she will be healed. What does God call us to do in the New Testament? He calls us to walk by and not by... You know how God supernaturally moves in believers and in the church? by, By faith. Faith is the accelerant of God's supernatural activity. Wondering myself if maybe we don't see as much of God's supernatural activity because we, we stop looking for it and we just don't have faith that God can do it anymore or he will do it anymore. So God chooses to reveal himself to people who really believe and really earnestly seek him and are expectant for him because he knows in that case he'll receive the most honor and glory. And the rest of us will pass it off as coincidence. Or well, look how that worked out. That was interesting. Faith is the accelerant of God's supernatural activity. Faith is the accelerant. Here's three things that, that would hinder God from showing up in supernatural ways in your life and in the life of our church. Unbelief. Refusal to even like go anywhere near believing these things are true. Doubt. Waffling about the power of God. Do I really believe this? Do I not believe this? Or Fear. Too scared to put my faith in Jesus in case somehow he lets me down because he doesn't act in the way that I think he should act and how he should act and when he should act. Why does God put passages like this in the Bible for us? Why does God put passages like this in the Bible for us? That we would have a renewed, audacious faith in the power of the living God. That we wouldn't waffle in unbelief and doubt and fear, but instead we'd look beyond earth to heaven to see the glory of Jesus and the magnificence of God. And we'd say, Yes, God, you never change. Yes, God, you still want to reveal yourself to the world around us today. Yes, God, you still do break into hopeless situations and turn them around for your glory. We you believe that, right? We believe that, right? This is the God that we serve. This is the God that we love. Do you believe it in your own life? Supernatural power of God to heal. Do you believe it in your own life? I, I know for many years that I read pastors like this, and I believe, deep down I believe, yeah, God could do it, God could do it. You know, my biggest struggle is, I don't think God could do it with me in my life. And Then we had Maya. I've told you this a few times, and I just I can't escape it because it's such a monumental time in my life. And doctor after doctor, and they'd give us all the diagnosis and all the things that probably she wouldn't do or couldn't do. And, and my wife, better than I, my wife's like, you know what? But we're praying. And they'd be looking at her like, whatever. They wouldn't say it, but you know, doctors, are the look they give you. I'll never forget the, the time about a year old when we were in the hospital still with Maya, and a, the, the initial emergency room doctor walked by, and she's like, I recognize you from somewhere. I'm like, yeah, remember me, like, spending like a month hanging out with you with my daughter. Maya, yeah, how is she? I'm like, well, come in and see her. And she's like, Bouncing on her crib, you know, like she walks, she talks. Or she walks, she sees. She had her glasses on, like yeah, and she even talks. Marsha, there's because we prayed. Do you believe that God does these things in our lives? That God can do the impossible. Do you believe that God still heals today? That God still restores sight. He still causes weak bodies to be made strong. He even cures the diseases that have no cure for in the world, like cancer. It's not just my life I've seen these things play out. The the, the healing God, Jehovah Rapha. It's not just in my life I've seen God heal. Think about our church in the last five years or five years old. Think of all the God at work stories we've seen of how God has actually healed people in our church. If you're in our core group, you remember this story. Many of you might not, might not even know this story. Uh, they were here first, or was not second. Joe and Frances Abbruscato, the little Italian couple, that had the big smile and greet people at the door. Well, six years ago, Joe, Joe was climbing up a ladder at work and fell off backwards and hit his head on a cement floor before we launched our church. And they rushed him to Hamilton and basically basically called the family because it's all over. We gathered the group of people and we, pr- we prayed. I was in Chicago. The core group was here. We were praying hard for Joe and just minutes from death, Joe actually survived. And the doctor said, but there's no way that he's going to function. Like his brain is so da- badly damaged. There's no way he's going to function. He's probably going to be incapacitated. And Joe has a little stiffness in his left arm, but you see him here worshiping God and praising God as a testimony that God still heals today. Confounding Doctors and physiotherapists. Even the speed of his recovery astounded all the doctors. We, we've prayed for moms and, and babies in and childbirth, a couple that I can think of, God at work stories we've seen on the screen. Remember Sarah and Asher Dean, both of their lives were in the balance and what do we do in these cases? We pray, God, would you show your mercy and heal and God has preserved both of them that they worship with us continually still. Remember Carrie and Leah to break not too long ago? Spent the time at the hospital, wondering, wondering. God, are, you gonna, are you, what are you going to do with this? I know you can heal, but will you heal? And, and, and God preserved that both their lives were truly in the balance. God healed them, and they're alive and living and breathing and loving the Lord, testifying that he is still a healing God. Remember Joan Hager? Cancer? That word that we all dread, like, oh, cancer, we all automatically think it's, it's all over. And, and six, seven months later, she... Is cured of cancer, and yes, the treatments help, but God cured her. Just reminding you, God still heals today, amen. And it's not just physically God heals. Think of the God at work stories that, that of, of other healings that God's done in our in our emotions, in in our spirits, in our relationships. In our Exodus series, we watch God freeing people from addictions of, of alcohol and lust and depression and anxiety. God's a healer. God heals severed relationships. God heals those broken relationships between mothers and daughters and fathers and sons and best friends and husbands and wives. We can't heal some of those things. We look at them, they're impossible. God heals those things. God heals crippling addictions. We get incapacitated by them. We can't move. But God heals crippling addictions. He lifts those weight off off of people's lives. He heals crushed spirits. God has the power to put hopeless lives back together. This is the God that we serve. This is the audacious faith of believers. We believe this stuff. We don't just say it's in the Bible. We believe it. And we expect it. And we're eager for God to keep doing these things in our lives. Sets us apart from the rest of the world. We have a God to whom nothing is impossible. And get this, it's not just inside the church God does these things. We often think it's just for believers. I, I love this about the book of Acts. J.D. Greer points this out that thirty-nine out of the forty miracles in Acts, guess where they were done? Outside the church, in unbelievers' lives, get pretty good percentage. Don't I think 39 out of 40 are done outside the church in unbelievers' lives so that the people around would stop in their tracks and look and be like, maybe there's something to this God you're talking about. That the person who's, who's, who's waffling in whatever and, and crushed by whatever would stop and realize the reality that there's a God out there who loves them and cares them. a God who has their best interest at heart. Let me ask you this. We say we, we, say we believe this. Is it reflected in the way that you live your life, that you believe in an all-powerful, supernatural God? Is it reflected in the way you pray for those in your family and those around you? Do you, do you? Is it really reflected in the way that you interact with God? What are you praying for these days? What do you believe in God for? Is it only within the realm of what you think he can accomplish according to your logic or your parameters, or is it above and beyond all that you could ask or imagine? I get it. We wrestle with faith, right? I wrestle with faith. I got a little plaque in my office. Got a little plaque in my office that I look too often. I sit behind my desk and sometimes get to those places where it's like, "Oh, I don't know, God, if you can do this." You know, what the plaque says it's Matthew nineteen twenty six. It says this: "With man, this is impossible; with God, all things are possible." I get it. We're human beings. Here's a prayer you can pray this week: God, I believe. Help me in my unbelief. God, I believe. Help me in my unbelief. Stir within me faith to believe that all this is true and real. Got to keep going. Only ten verses in. Seven verses in, actually. So why does God, why does God heal? We believe God can heal. We believe God does heal. Why does God heal? Here's why God heals. Jesus' divine activity moves my heart with wonder and worship. So so why does God heal? To move our hearts to wonder and worship to who he is. Look what it says in verses 8. I'm going to read verses 8 to 16 quickly. And leaping up, he stood up and began to walk. And look at where he goes. He enters a temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. And recognize him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened. These are, these are the unbelievers, too, filled with wonder and amazement. Verse 11, while well, he clung to Peter and John, not clean because he can't stand up. We know he can stand up, right? Why do you think he's clinging to Peter and John? Why would he be clinging to Peter and John? Almost like a little, little teenage girl. Oh, I'm so excited. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You know, like, I can't believe you hear me. Thank you. He's clinging, he's hugging onto them. And, and so, uh, Peter and John, they, they look up and. Peter sees that all these people are running to be around them to see what's going on. So Peter saw this, and he stands up to address the people, men of Israel. Why do you wonder at this, or why you why do you stare at us as though by our own power or piety we have made him walk? Isn't that a great verse? Why do you wonder at us as if it's by our own power, clearly our own piety, our own godliness, our own spirituality, we've made him walk? Clearly it's not us, fellas. God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him. But you denied the holy and righteous one and asked for a murderer to be granted to you. And you killed the author of life, whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses, read verse 16 already. And this is the guy, and this is the reason why he's walking today, because of Jesus Christ. Two things we see. Why does God heal? Two things we see in this passage. Number one is this, in this next part of this context, because it compels us to an unhindered worship. Why does God still heal? So that we would worship Him truly with fullness of heart and adoration. Do you realize miracles are not even about us or the one being healed? Do you realize that in the Bible? Who are miracles always about? The one doing the healing. Miracles are never in the Bible about the one being healed. They're about the one who heals. And when we get that, when we see supernatural activity of God around us in our lives, in our church, it, our natural response ought to be not like, oh, that was cool, God, thanks a lot, and on to the next. It ought to be like, wow, God, I am just filled with wonder and worship of who you are and what you've done. I can't stop praising you. I can't stop talking about you. Look what happens to this guy who's healed. Look, look what he does first, this, this blind, or this, this lame beggar. Look what he does first. What does he do? He doesn't like, hey, I got feet. Let's, let's, like, let's go sign up for like soccer now. I've always wanted to play soccer. Let's go show mom. Mom, I can walk. Hugs, hugs, kisses, kisses. You know what he does? What does he do? He runs where? Through the beautiful gate into the beautiful presence of God is where he goes. Don't see it in the text, but I think this is the first time he ever entered into the temple to worship God. They always set him outside of the door. Why is that? Maybe it was because he was a social outcast, right? And, you know, only the clean can come in here and you're kind of you're messed up. You stay outside. Maybe it was because he was in this place of of really, I just can't worship God. If he made me like this, then then why does he deserve my worship? Maybe he's in this place of just hard, hard to really put your full trust and belief in a God that seems to ripped you off so much. According to your perspective, and yet look what happens. He he goes to the place he's never been before. He goes and it says it twice in this passage. He is walking and he is praising God. He is praising God. What does this mean? I think it just means he he, God wants us to know that there is a double portion of praise in this man's heart and this man's life. He wasn't going into worship, slinking in the back row, going, Okay, let's praise God now. Praise God. He's dancing and he's leaping. He can't contain himself with the supernatural activity of God. He can't contain himself in worship. Can you imagine how this impacted the church? I don't think it was just this man that was worshiping. I'm sure all Peter and John's Christians were like following with him, gathering around him, also worshiping their hearts out. Imagine the next prayer and praise gathering for the early church was full. I doubt anybody was missing. Well, if God did this and I want to see what God's going to do next and how can I not get here in worship? You know what? The supernatural activity of God happens to draw us to be more deliberate and intentional and passionate worshipers and seekers of Jesus. Is that what happens in your life when God answers prayer? Is that what happens in your life when God comes through in ways that you never expected? Or is it the like, well, you should have done that, God. You're good and you're loving. Of course you're going to do that in my life. Or does it draw you to a place of worship? I wonder sometimes, I wonder sometimes if God doesn't do more supernatural things in our, in our church and in our lives Because he knows that we're just going to pass it off as coincidence. Because he knows that we won't even give him the time of day, just a token nod. And he's reserving his supernatural activity for those who are truly going to stop and worship. Even causes those outside the church, even causes those outside the church to have wonder and awe. We've been giving this guy our spare change for years. What in the world? This empty religion thing, like this, is, this is far greater than that. This going through the motions, man, I'd choose that over this. God heals so that people would stop and take notice that he is real and he is alive. The other thing he does, why God heals here is this, to create opportunities for unashamed witness. To create opportunities for unashamed witness. That's verses 11 to 16. Well, this guy is clinging to Peter and John. Peter is seeing all these people coming from all angles, all these religious people, empty religious people. You know what he's thinking? Sweet, great opportunity to share Jesus Christ. And so he flips on over his, his soapbox and he stands on it. and He says, gather around. You want to know what's going on here? Gather around. This is actually not about anything on this earth. This is about Jesus. Remember the guy that came and lived and did all these miracles that you denied and that you delivered over and ultimately crushed to death? Remember? that guy? He's alive. He rose again. And this is a result of him. How could you not see it then? If you couldn't see it then, now see it now. This is a result of Jesus. And he brings this to a place of just showing people the reality of Jesus. not John or I that healed. It's ultimately not doctors that can heal. Yes, doctors make their best diagnosis. Yes, we're thankful for them, and they prescribe the appropriate medicine, but, but Peter uses this opportunity to say, you know what? You're the only healer in the universe, truly. It's Jesus Christ. You're the only one who can truly take your broken body and your broken soul and make it brand new again. Jesus Christ. He's the only one. Doctors do their best, they do well, but only Jesus can make somebody brand new again. I've had my knee fixed a couple times and it still works, but it's not brand new, I assure you of that. Why does God do supernatural things that we would then have greater opportunity to point people to Jesus? Not to keep to ourselves. Not to make a little booklet of our memories of of what happened in that time, but but to share it, to take it beyond and and testify to those around us. Hey, look what's happened in my life. Look what's happened in my church. This is to show you the reality that Jesus is alive. And ultimately, Peter brings them to even a greater healing that Jesus wants to do in everybody's life. And it's not a physical healing, it's a spiritual healing. Because for the rest of this passage, you know what he does? 17 to 26, he unpacks the gospel. He unpacks the gospel. And Jesus' gospel miraculously heals souls. Jesus' gospel miraculously heals souls. Yes, Jesus heals physical bodies, but you know the greatest miracle of all is that Jesus would heal hardened sinners' hearts and make them beat for Jesus Christ. That's the ultimate miracle of all. And Peter takes this opportunity to say, hey, hey! I just want you to know, this is not about us, it's about Jesus. And here's a greater healing that Jesus wants to do in your life today. Greater than any physical healing you can have. Whatever ails you today is nothing compared to a heart change he wants to do in your life today by his power. Physical healing in the Bible is always this. It's always a springboard to the spiritual healing. Physical healing is always a springboard to the spiritual healing to show people the greater work of what God wants to do in people's lives. Does he care about our bodies? Absolutely. You know what he cares about more than our bodies is our souls. Peter's like, so, fellas, like, you think this is pretty awesome? Jesus came to heal in a greater way than you've seen this man be healed. Verse 17 and now brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance as did also your rulers, but what God had told what God had foretold by the mouth of all the prophets that this that is Christ would suffer, he was fulfilled. He thus fulfilled. So therefore, look at verse 19. How does it get from from a guy who's crippled being healed to this, repent therefore and turn again? that your sins may be blotted out. He's like, he's like, here's the greater spiritual healing. God wants you to repent and turn again that your sins might be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of God. You know what Peter's trying to do here in the people's lives? He's trying to show them this. You think this guy was bad off? In your spirit, in your soul, you are like a crippled beggar before the Lord. You are spiritually crippled because of your sin. You have a disease of your heart that keeps you from standing up in Christ. It keeps you from pursuing and walking into the presence of God. It keeps you from joyously jumping and worship. You are like a spiritual beggar in your soul. Here's the parallel. You're a spiritual beggar in your soul. You have nothing to offer. You've got nothing to give. All you can do is lay there and ask for mercy, ask for mercy, and ask for an overflow of somebody else's grace. In your soul, left to yourself, you can't even stand up and do what's right before God think a lame man walking is amazing check this out god wants to make your heart beat to the heartbeat of his and walk in him that's the miracle god wants to show us through this this is the ultimate god wants to do in every heart This is what God wants to do in every heart. He wants us to pursue not just physical healing. Yes, I believe he does. Yes, the healing of emotions, the healing of the things I talked about, but most of all, he wants us to pursue spiritual healing. The greatest miracle of all is salvation. Where can that come from? Only Jesus Christ. Here's the greatest miracle. It's salvation. Look at what he says in verse 16. So here's how the greatest miracle happens. Repent. Turn again, your sins might be blotted out, repent, receive forgiveness is what he's saying. That times of refreshing may come, Uh, that your soul might be refreshed. That your soul might be restored, it says, to all things of God, which he's ultimately going to do, but he's doing to every person who turns by faith and repentance to Jesus. He does that now. Allow your soul to be restored to God. Allow God to give you a renewal of life. Verse 22, the Lord God will raise you up, will raise up for you a prophet named Jesus. Like me from your brothers, you shall listen to him, to listen to Jesus, the newness of life, to listen to Jesus and do what he tells you. That you might, it says a little later on, receive blessing from the Lord. Think about this. The greatest miracle that Christ has ever done is changed a hardened sinner's heart to love Jesus Christ. To take a dead soul to the things of God and make it alive to the things of God. To make a heart want to walk into the presence of God. To make a heart long for fellowship with the Father. To make a heart sing praises and rejoice to God. This is the greatest miracle of all. As much as God wants to heal your body today, as much as God can heal your body today, God can also heal your soul today. And we are just like this lame beggar. We're just like this lame beggar sitting. If we're not saved, we're sitting on the outside, sitting outside the temple. Hoping for something, hoping for something. When Jesus comes in and he stops and he says, hey, look up here, look at me, look at me. You asked for money, you want me to give you money, you want me to give you all these pleasures and all these things of this world, but I have something far greater to give you. It's eternal salvation in Jesus Christ and myself. Let me reach down and pick you up and give spiritual strength to your spiritual legs. Let your spiritual legs dance and rejoice and move in me to walk in newness of life in a spiritual life I want to give you. This is what Jesus came to do to all of us, the greatest healing we could ever begin to imagine. If you think you don't need this spiritual healing, think again. You read this, repent, therefore, that's for the bad people. That's for the people who have, repentance isn't just a one-time thing. Repentance is a daily thing as the sin crops up in our life. It's a daily thing of repentance. Calling out for God and saying, God, you're the only one that can help me walk this Christian life. You're the only one that can renew my mind and my heart. Then receive forgiveness. This is an ongoing thing, receiving God's forgiveness. You think you don't need forgiveness today? Just think the Ten Commandments. Think all the Ten Commandments. Every one of us, including your pastor, is guilty of breaking those Ten Commandments. If not all of them, most of them. Now, I don't, need, I don't need spiritual healing today. Think of this. You don't need spiritual healing. Have you ever put other things before God? Broken a commandment. You ever dissed on the name of the Lord? You're in that angry moment. You're in that confused moment. You get, you're get your like, oh, come on. Distal the name, Lord, you you need spiritual healing today. You ever committed murder in your heart through hate and wished all kinds of bad things to all kinds of people, then you've actually broken a ten commandment. Committed adultery? Well, I've never committed adultery. What in your heart as you as you drive down the street looking and the, the thoughts that crop up in your heart and the lust that crops up you We've all been there. Oh, I've never stolen those, so that's one, really? You've never taken something that's not yours and borrowed it and never given it back? You need forgiveness. You never trashed your neighbor or your brother or your sister or your mom or your dad or your cousin or whoever your friend because they did something you never trashed your neighbor? Well, of course we have. We all have. We've broken a commandment. You never coveted someone else's stuff, wishing you had more? Well, if only I had, God, if only I had his. Where does that leave us all? In need of spiritual healing. Outside the presence of God. Unable to get there on our own strength. Relying on other people to carry us to the brink. But only Jesus can take us the rest of the way. beauty of this is when we realize that our greatest need is spiritual healing and we confess our sins to the Lord. Some of us might even be in this place today. Maybe you've already at one time professed faith in Jesus, but sin is so alive in you right now that you know you're nowhere near the presence of God. And it says here to confess that your sins might be blotted out. In other words, when we confess, God's got all this list of charges in heaven against us, and he's got a big list on me too, trust me. When we get there and he reads the charge, you know, all we're going to be able to say is this. Guilty. This one? Yep. This one? But if we turn to Jesus and ask for forgiveness, look what happens. He blots our sins out. The moment we accept Jesus Christ's forgiveness and receive his forgiveness, it's like the pardon has been written, the, the charges have been ripped up, and there's we are innocent before God. You know what it does in our own souls? It's times of refreshing that come to our souls from the presence of the Lord. Why was this guy so excited? Why, was he, why did he say twice he was worshiping and dancing and jumping? Because there's nothing like times of refreshing in the Lord. There's nothing like a clean conscience and a clean heart before God. There's nothing like it in the universe. There's nothing like receiving, again, the healing of the Lord, again, the refreshment of the Lord in our hearts. Again, the blessing of God in our lives. Ultimately, we are all the lame beggar just waiting at the mercy of God to come and pick us up and heal us for all of eternity. This is the ultimate healing. Why could I not preach just the first part of this passage? Because the first part leads to the second part where the whole chapter goes together. See that? Just to preach the first part would miss the whole message. It's the the, the healing of power of God to heal a body which points to the healing of our souls. So God heals our physical bodies. He doesn't heal our souls. Then what happens? Old bodies decaying. We're still going to die. But yet God heals our souls. And guess what becomes secondary? Our bodies and our physical stuff becomes secondary because we know that this life's temporary, this life's short, and one day we're going to have a renewed body anyways. And we're going to spend eternity with Jesus in his presence forever. And so prominent, predominantly our heart's desires for spiritual healing. And if God chooses a physical healing, amen, he can do that. And he desires to do that in our lives as we look to him in faith. As we look to him in faith. So what do we do with this? I've given you tons of things to do with this already, but what do we do with this ultimately? Acts chapter three. We be real with ourselves. Identify where we think our faith really is and ask that God give us an audacious faith to really see him for who he is and believe that he can do what he says he can do in our lives and lives of others around us. And then we pray fervently seeking the supernatural activity of the Lord to come alive in our lives and in our church. Can you imagine what a church would be like with everybody believing and praying for and seeking to be used of God and to see God work in our lives in supernatural ways? It would be an explosion of God's activity. His glory would be real and alive that all could see. Let me ask you this as we close. What does God need to do in your life today? in the area of healing that you need faith to ask him for today? Is it a physical thing? Is it an emotional deal? Is it spiritual healing? When we seek God, he's not a God who runs and hides. He's actually a God who wants to be found and a God who wants to interact in our lives in this very way, in his way, in his time, as we exercise our faith. What is God telling you today? What does God want to do in you today that only he can? Let me pray as the worship team comes. Father, we must acknowledge today that we read some of these words and in our humanness, we look at it and we say, really, for real, God? If this is who you are, God, then we want to see you act and move in our lives in the same way. We want to see your supernatural activity in us and in our church. God, I pray today that you would give us faith to truly believe that you, are, that you truly are who you say you are, that you can do all that you say you can do. God, I pray you'd help us as a church grow in audacious faith. Being re- willing to pray audacious prayers and speak audacious truth. God, I pray you'd find a group of people here that you'd be pleased to do the supernatural in, for we won't quickly slough you off or pass up to coincidence. We'll be quick to give you praise and quick to give you glory and testify of your amazing grace to the world around us. God, I pray that you'd find us as a people of faith that you could work in our lives in deep and mighty ways. God, I know there's people here who came this morning and they didn't know they were going to hear a message on healing, but they know they needed a message on healing. God, would you break down any pride in their lives that they might see that they truly are like a crippled beggar in physically and also spiritually? And God, would they just simply stop and look to you right now and accept the gracious hand of Jesus that's reaching down to pull them up to strengthen their bodies and strengthen their souls? God, would you you do some supernatural things in our hearts today, even today? We believe you can, God, if it's part of your will. Would you give us the faith today, God, to walk by faith and not by sight? And expect that all the things we read in your word are just as real and just as applicable in our lives today. Oh God, we pray you'd show us your glory. We pray we wouldn't waffle through life with this low view boxed in God. But instead we'd see you in all the fullness of what you want to show us and reveal in us. That we too might be in wonder and awe like the people in Jerusalem in the early church continue ministering to us now, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.